If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. So in this episode of Mind Pump, we talk all about what it takes to build a competition-level body. We talk about, uh, first off, what is a competition-level body? We talk about the leanness, the symmetry, uh, what a physique looks like on stage or what it should look like on stage. We talk about what it takes to get that kind of a physique, the pros of competing, what are the good sides of competing, and what are the bad sides of competing, and finally, who should and shouldn't compete. So if you've been thinking about getting on stage and showing off your body, but you're not sure if it's right for you, uh, this episode could definitely help you out. And some of you should not be competing. Some of you will get bad effects from competing, but some of you will might get some really, really good effects. Also, before we start the episode, this month, all month long, Maps Strong is 50% off. Now, Maps Strong was designed with a world strongman competitor, uh, Robert Oberst, a good friend of ours. This program is that you can do in your gym, everyday gym. You can go in there, train with weights, but train with strongman-inspired exercises. So if you're bored with your workout, if you want to try something different, if you like fun and challenging workouts, Map Strong is perfect. So it's half off. Here's what you do. Go to mapsstrong.com, M-A-P-S-S-T-R-O-N-G, um, and use the code STRONG50, S-T-R-O-N-G-5-0, for the discount. Um, and that's it. So without any further ado, here we are talking about who should compete and what you got to do to compete. I found out why dogs uh, lick people. Why? Did you guys know this? This is a weird story. No, no, this is actually really interesting yeah, because my dogs do this all the time. They lick you all the time? Oh, yeah. So they actually do... Uh, so I have like a couple spots on my my shin and on my back of my calf for my psoriasis. Where I, so it's always like dry and scabbed. And they always beeline right towards that, oh, and they lick the cra- crap out of it. Oh, that's weird. And I've always wondered, like, do they sense that I'm in? They think I'm injured, or trying I'm, to heal it? Because they do that with wounds, right? With uh, wounds, they'll lick their own wounds, or if you have a wound, they'll do that. Yeah. And so I, I wondered if they like, do they sense that I'm hurt, and they see that, and then they? No, no. Sci- scientists, they, they've concluded it's because dogs know that we have bones inside of us. They just want stupid. stupid. <laughs> you son of a Here, man. I thought you were going to give I me can. some really good answers, dude. No. Fucking guy. I read that this morning. Dude. I was dying. That's hilarious. Stupid dad dying. joke. Yeah, no. it's like, oh, I was really excited. I was like, bro, I'm actually yeah. curious about Nobody's this. Nobody's done a study on this. They're like, keep oh, looking. No. Curious. Uh, Bob, keep looking. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to the bone. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Maybe they won't know eventually. Yeah. Uh, these, are, these are the type of DMs that you get, right? These are the people's slides. People send me so many memes now. It's so great. They get you completely oh i don't have to find them anymore that's awesome i just post them speaking of people slide in the dms i've been getting a lot of messages in regards to um competing i get asked a lot why i don't compete anymore and if uh if i think they shouldn't compete and what do i think about the competitive world and uh so and we just really we haven't done much around that since i felt like we did a lot of it at the beginning right when we first started and i was kind of going through uh my own personal journey I felt like it was a, a hot topic all the time. And we've significantly grown since I've been done competing. So I think there's a, actually a big part of the audience that doesn't even realize that or maybe not even know because we didn't have talked about it. But uh, I definitely think we should talk a little bit about because it's still, it's rapidly growing still. I mean, if you still look, growing, huh? oh, yeah, the shows are getting crazy. They're getting more and more. Well, they're shows. adding new categories too, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, yeah. 
it's still exploding and more and more people uh, are getting into it. And uh, the question is, you know, are are they getting into it for the right reasons? Should they be getting into it? Um, and what does it kind of take uh, to get into competitive shape like yeah, cause that? Because a lot of people look at competing now as a way to challenge themselves or I want to get in shape and this will help me get in shape because I'll have a target to aim for. Um, and then there's that, you know, that perceived, uh, you know, value in it. Like I did this, I was able to compete in something. And this isn't just for these types of competitions. I think people apply this towards other types of competitions as well, whether right. it be like OCR racing right. or running a marathon or a half marathon type of deal. Um, but I guess we should first kind of define what a, when we're talking about competitor, we're referring to the stage presentation athletes. So bodybuilding, physique, bikini competitor, uh, you know, figure competitor. That When we're referring to competition, we're talking about people who go up, who, who have to look a particular way and then present that on a stage and get judged. We're not talking about a physical performance uh, type of, of competition. This is all right. about the appearance, the, the, the look. Um, and that's the one you're referring to right now. Right. And, and I think a lot of people, even people that, I mean, I've had clients that aren't like big time into actually competing and getting on the stage, but are interested and intrigued by what does it take to get that level of a physique? You know, is it something that I can do as just a normal person who is trying to get in shape? And should I aspire to do that? Or are they doing something different that I'm not doing? And so I do get a lot of questions even around that, even if you're somebody who is not potentially looking to get on stage on a, with a bikini or board shorts or, you know, what are the little thong thong underwear for the, the men? That have to mankini. Get the mankini. <laughs> That's right. Speedo. The, yeah, the yeah. speedo. Yeah. So, uh, well, the, 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 what is a, yeah, what kind of, what is a competition level body? We should define that a little bit. Obviously lean. That's probably the, the number one thing that characterizes somebody who competes on stage is right. that they've gotten their body to an extreme lean level. And this is not your standard, I'm lean on the beach lean. Like yeah. for a guy to have a body that really stands out on the beach, to have a six pack, you're talking about a guy who's probably, Eight, nine, ten percent body fat, which is hard to achieve on its own. That's a that's a very uh, you know that, that's a difficult thing to achieve, and you will stand out on the beach if you're anywhere between eight to ten percent body fat. But when you're on a stage, eight to ten body fat percent body fat for a man is fat. Yeah, you would yeah. lose. You would lose. They yeah. would say you're you're you not soft. Yeah, you're soft. You have to be sub six for sure. Yeah, f at least five percent. Yeah, usually lower. Yeah, usually four percent or well. something like that. For a woman, uh, if a woman is Anything, you know, if she's anywhere between 17, 18, 19, 20% body fat and she's on the beach, she's standing out. She's yeah. lean. She's got a flat midsection. She's got nice lines, nice definition. On stage for a woman, that's too high. On stage, women typically will hit what? The low teens, 10%? Oh, yeah. 10, 10 to 12%. 10 to 12%. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, an extremely shredded, lean, uh, you know, body fat percentage. And, and I wanted to, to define that just so people kind of, get an idea because I've, I've actually heard people mm. say they've seen someone on a beach and they'll be like, oh man, I, that guy could compete. And I'm like, no, no, he couldn't. Yeah, no. He's definitely There's lean. Long ways to go. But he's not as lean as he would need to be to get, get on stage. And it's important to know what it takes to get to that. It's different. You know, the, the level of consistency, the diet, um, genetics, the lifestyle that it takes to take the body to that level is uh, completely different than just being somebody who makes good food choices, exercises consistently. Exactly. You know, there's 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 a whole different 
That's a great level. point. I mean, if you had uh, good eating habits, you had good nutrition, consistent workouts, and you're a man, for example, hitting 10, 9, 10% body fat, you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, very realistic. To get down to 4% body fat, it's a whole nother ball game of consistency and neuroticism when it comes to every single thing that you put in your mouth and how much activity that you're in calories that yeah, you're expending. Yeah, you have to really press the boundaries and the thresholds of what you've never felt before to get there. Totally. Well, and, and I think it's important to explain to people why that is. Why is it Why is it so different? Why is it so crazy to get to... Why is going from 20% to 10% very realistic for the average person? Then why is it so crazy for 10 down to 5? And one of the things that comes to mind right away is that as you get less and less body fat, it becomes more and more difficult. You know, mm -hmm. the the body, uh, it it's it's healthy for us to have fat on it. It needs to have body fat on it, so it doesn't want to respond the same way. So if you're, it fights it. Yeah, right. So yeah. if you're sleeping well, you're eating well, you have good balance, and you're training consistently and and making good cho food choices. The body will want to get rid of a lot of that body fat. It'll it'll start to use it. The body's working really well. It's uh, it's not like you're fighting against your body, but as you start to get lower into those single digit body fat numbers, and it gets and every every percent it gets lower from you know as a guy below eight nine percent, it becomes more and more challenging. And that's mainly because the the body doesn't want to be there. No, yeah. and you and you need it. There's a essential body fat. Essential body fat meaning if you you start to play with that number. When you get competition lean, and if you go below essential body fat, your body literally cannot function. Now, essential body fat is higher for women than it is for men. This is why a woman at 10% body fat, it's insanely difficult for her to get to 10% body fat, just like it would be for a man to get down to 4 or 5% body fat. And I've known female competitors to even get in the single digit body fat uh, percentages, which is just wow. absolutely crazy. It also leaves very little room for air. So if you're sitting at three or 4% body fat and you make one meal, bad choice. You or, go up a percent. Yeah, you could go up a, mm -hmm. a percent of body fat. That's crazy. Yep, yep. Where if you're somebody who's 20% body fat and you are on your road to get down to 10% body fat, you can have plenty of days where you have a meal off here or there or over consume a few calories and you'll be okay. You're not going to see this whoosh, all of a sudden right. spike in your body fat percentage. Right. Now, the other thing that they value in competition is uh, what they'll say is like balance and symmetry mm. of the body. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, define aesthetics. They're, they're trying to come up with words to explain what makes a physique nice to look at. Because at the end of the day, these competitions, these stage presentation type competitions, are all based on a judge looking at you and determining that you look better than the other competitors based off of their their criteria. Right. criteria. And, and, and what plays a role in that, a big role, is your symmetry and balance. And symmetry and balance is essentially, does it all fit together? Um, you know, To give you the, the, an example of the opposite, if I were a competitor and I were on stage and my right side of my body looked underdeveloped compared to my left side of my body, I would not have good symmetry. Mm -hmm. um, and that would reduce my aesthetic. Just like on the street, if you saw people walking around and you saw a guy or girl, and the one leg or arm didn't match the other side, you too would think something doesn't look right, and it wouldn't look as good or as pleasing to the eye. Balance would refer more towards, uh, you know, do your legs match your upper body? Does your chat, does your chest balance out your back, or vice versa? Uh, do you have really forward shoulder? 
that doesn't look like you have good balance. Or if you have good posture, that looks like you have good balance. Is your bicep and tricep match? Or do you have this just overpowering bicep and this very small looking tricep? Do you have these great looking quads but terrible <laughs> hamstrings or glutes? So that's the whole balance and symmetry aspect of being on stage and, and, and presenting a physique that the judges say, oh, that looks really nice. Those and are just the words they use to define You it. just kind of glazed over a good point that I think a lot of people ask me about too that I think we should explain. So they, you typically compare muscles that naturally should be similar in size, right? So a judge will n- normally look at uh, someone's calves and their and their shoulders, right? Your sh- your shoulders shouldn't be like massive and then these tiny calves or these massive calves and then tiny shoulders. They'll look at that. You said chest and back, another great point. You don't have this massive chest and then the, and it, it's really they they compare a lot of times it's it's an antagonist and protagonist muscles or to each other, right? They'll compare bicep tricep. Mm-hmm. It's normally they'll compare two muscles that should be pretty similar in size. And if one is oddly larger than the other, then it throws off that symmetrical look. It does, and it's in in there is again, it's a it's a subjective sport. These competitions are subjective. You're going to have someone telling you you look better than the other guy. So it's not like powerlifting where if you won, you won. Yeah, I lifted more weight than the other guy. It's uh, I looked better. What does that mean? And some of the stuff is hard to to explain. Like bicep and triceps that are the exact same size won't look balanced. And that and the funny thing is that sounds like they should be balanced, but the reality is when the arm is relaxed, naturally a tricep has a little bit more size than the bicep. In fact, the tricep takes up uh, around two-thirds of the, the total mass of the upper arm. So a symmetrical balanced-looking arm would actually have a slightly bigger tricep than bicep. That's what balance looks like in the arm. But it's hard to explain that for the whole body. We just know it when we see it. And I think originally it was more heavy on the balance of of that looking like you're functionally balanced, whereas now it's more like you're an action figure. Like they've cartoonish. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, exaggerated that look a bit. So that's that's changed on some level. But they're they're offering new categories, which I think they're trying to address that issue to mm-hmm. you know make it look like a little more natural look yeah. for that. And this is where genetics plays a big role. Um, <laughs> genetics. Are going to there's there's certain things that your genes determine that training uh, and diet can't necessarily overcome. Sometimes they can change the illusion of how you look, but they can't necessarily overcome certain things. For example, the width of the of your shoulders, the bones, uh, your your skeletal structure, how small your hips are uh, in, in terms of the size of your pelvis, um, how long your bones are, and then of course the length of your muscles, like where they attach. And then the shape of your muscles, although you can influence them somewhat with training, and depending on the muscle, you can you can influence them more than some muscles more than others. But a lot of the shape of a muscle is determined by your genetics. So you may get super lean, um, but still not do very well in competition just because your genetics don't give you the natural, you know, that that illusion of extreme aesthetics. Like for men, for example, the really wide shoulders and really narrow waist. There's stuff you can do to create that illusion, but at the end of the day, if you have a guy who has naturally wide shoulders and a small waist and a guy who has naturally narrow shoulders and a wide waist, no amount of training is going to offset those genetics. 
Now, what do you, what do you, what's your guys' opinion on uh, referring to it as a sport? I know a lot of people in, like the, or, or in the athletic community gets yeah, they uh, kind of shit on it. They do. They get they get really irritated by people that refer to bodybuilding and bikini and all men's physique as a sport. What is your guys' thoughts on that? I have my own opinion on on yeah, that. I think I might have fell under that category for a while, like being heavy into athletics and like seeing seeing it more as a pageant. In something mm-hmm. that where it's more of like displaying a look versus, but then getting into the actual training and the diet, nutrition, the discipline of it, it made me respect it a lot more and realize that, uh, you know, even though at the end of it, you're getting judged subjectively, mm-hmm. the actual work you're putting into it is definitely a sport. Well, there's a lot of sports that are subjective. Uh, you That's know, true, like the, gymnastics. Yeah, gymnastics is any judge sport in the in the Olympics is a, is a subjective sport, just like uh, this is. Um, but I, I think it's a competition. Uh, that's the important thing. Whether you consider a sport or not, you are competing. So if it was art and we had art, you know, paintings up, that would be art. But the second you judge which one's the best, now it's a competition. So I think that's the more important thing. But I've heard that argument before. Yeah, you know? a lot of people uh, push back on it when you refer to them as athletes, mm-hmm. right? So if you say if you call them an athlete, they go like, "What? They're not playing a sport. It's not a sport. They're not an athlete." And being somebody who considered themselves as an athlete growing up, and then is then got into you know bodybuilding or competing on the on stage, my only defense to it, uh, and I really give a shit about what how you categorize it. But one thing that I will tell you that's a fact is uh, it was more challenging than any sport that I've played. The amount of work and discipline that I had to put into competing uh, at that level was it was harder than any sort of now that could have been partially due to my own maturity level and where I was at in my life and you know what maybe what would have happened if I would have put that same discipline into Mm -hmm. being a better basketball player so is it is it necessarily true that it's 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 more than another sport no I don't think that I think that uh god who knows if I if I had the knowledge that I have now about athletics uh, and 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 sports science, boy, I wish I had that as a kid growing up because I think I would have been that much better of an athlete. So I just understood that I think in my <clears throat> heading into my thirties, getting into competing, I recognized to get on stage like this, uh, it took. And if I wanted to go pro, which I had the goals of doing that when I got started, I knew that the level of dedication to to get there was uh, beyond anything I'd done before. Yeah, I think too. With I mean, it's the nutrition side. I wish that more athletes took that side more seriously than they do. And, and I do think that you know, from that perspective, uh, like going through that process as a bodybuilder, I could see how challenging it is to combine both at like a really uh, high level. Where it, most athletes that are on the very top level, they have figured that out. They've hacked the fact that you know they need to manage their nutrition, their energy mm-hmm. levels at you know a high high level of understanding, so that way they perform at their best, at their optimal uh, level. So th- this reminds me of uh, you know you saying that uh, of a lot of the pros of competing, um, like the good things. Yeah, you the got th- from it. yeah the good things, that I, and I, I a lot of things I wouldn't have expected. Um, to be honest, like when I got into it, um, it was 100% uh, for business reasons. I, I saw that when I opened up magazines um, and I saw all the articles, who, who was writing the articles, who the, the magazine was all about, uh, were these IFBB pros. It was these guys and girls 
um, that had become pro competitors and they were getting all the attention. Mm-hmm. And and the deeper I read the information they were providing, the more I realized that, man, there's a lot of these competitors that don't really understand the science, aren't providing a lot of good information. Okay, so if I can just get myself to that level so I can create myself as an authority, I can help present better information mm-hmm. related to health and fitness. So that was really my motivation. It was not learning anything from it. It wasn't like I grew up wanting to compete. Like that was really the goal. But I actually got a lot of side effects, positive side effects that came from it that I would have never anticipated. And and one of those was a a much deeper uh, understanding of physiology, like and, and nutrition. Um, even with my background, my experience, uh, what I knew. There's something different about taking that and applying it at the most extreme level and then seeing it get expressed in, in your physique. And man, did it it really, really help. And it also made me... Well, you had to dive deeper. You yeah. just had to dive deeper and deeper into <clears throat> nutrition than you ever had before. Whereas before, you worked with clients, everyday people. None of them wanted to compete. All of them just wanted to get fit and healthy. And that's what we communicate to 99% of the time on the show. But when you're trying to get your body down to you know three percent body fat and achieve a look on a particular day, because it's not just about getting lean, it's right. also about looking a particular way on a specific day, how to peak, how to get your body to to get to that place uh, on time, which is a whole nother that's a whole nother ball game. You have to dive really, really, really deep on what affects you, not just calories, not just macros, but water. And, you know, artificial sweeteners and these foods make me look a particular way and how I tan and, you know, when I'm going to eat carbs, the timing of the food, all these things that really don't make a difference and should not be important to anybody. Now you have to pay attention to and dive deep into. Right. To that point, it made me borderline neurotic about every food that went into my body and then what it, what, how it changed the look of my physique hours later and what that did was it created this 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 feedback loop for me uh, an understanding of how these different foods can affect me visually which then gave me a new perspective on what some of my clients may be going through like for example um my understanding of uh, you know sodium water and carbs and how that affects the look of the physique by the hour mm-hmm. um blew my mind so much that it made me like this light bulb went off. I went, holy shit. Like this is, this is when, this is what my clients are going through when they're, they're eating really good. They're training really good. And then maybe they just, they had an extra 30 grams of carbs that day and drank two glasses more water. Mm -hmm. I mean, so easily Mm -hmm. done in a day. I mean, so easily can you, and still be good. Like that's a, you does nothing bad. Like you just, you instead of maybe you know 50 grams of protein and 30 grams of carbs you had 50 grams of carbs and 30 grams of protein mm-hmm. which is not a game changer of body fat loss but if you pair that with also maybe that day you drank an extra glass or two of water it can make the difference of a pound on the scale and you retaining and holding a little bit of more water weight mm-hmm. which then causes you to go Oh fuck! I'm getting fat. Right. Or oh, I did something. Reverse. Wor- yeah. Oh, I did something wrong. Now I need to go get on that treadmill. Or oh, I need to starve myself the next day. Or cut way back on calories, because I felt that. I felt that and noticed my own emotions. But I knew better because I was tracking so diligently. Because mm-hmm. I was paying attention. 
so closely to everything that I was consuming, I knew I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, wow, look at that. I had a little bit more water. I had 20 extra grams of carbohydrates, and now I look a little puffy, and I'm holding one more pound of water the next day. I know better because I understand, so I don't make any changes. I stay the course. Now, it's important to also communicate that you could also go about that and become less aware of your body. You were paying attention and listening to your body. And that's what'll happen if you do it this way. If you do it where you just take a diet that some coach gave you and you just follow it blindly, no matter what's happening to your body, then you may do the opposite. Uh, but the way you approached it was very was positive. You approached it by tracking, paying attention, being objective, which is hard. It's hard to be really objective on yourself, isn't it? Well, it's really tough, especially in, so I have a lot of empathy for somebody who doesn't have the education or the experience because I think to myself, if I was doing this at like 17, 18, when I was still learning and didn't know much about fitness at all, um, it would totally would have fucked with my head. Mm -hmm. It would have, it would have made me go, Oh, I'm doing something wrong. And then I would have, I would have made a, a, a correction. Overcorrect. Yeah. I would mm -hmm. overcorrect and, and then spun out because mm -hmm. of that. And so, uh, I imagine this happens to a lot of competitors because they just don't quite have the full understanding of nutrition and how all these things affect our body. Mm -hmm. Um, which having to have nothing to do with competing, that really took my level of understanding for just the average person, you mm -hmm. know, just to help coach them through these these days. Like when they when they they're messaging me and saying, "Adam, I don't, man, I feel really bloated today," and and I, and me being able to say, "Really, it's okay. Don't yeah. worry. We're probably holding a little bit of water today. Give it a seventy two hours." Tomorrow I'm going to do this with your diet, whatever. And, and then, then watch what happens. Yeah, and then watch what happens. And then 72 hours goes by. And you look like a wizard. Yeah, and then they're like, <laughs> and then they're like blown away. Like, and now they trust you, yep. which that is so key for a trainer is to gain that trust from a, a client. Because how, how often have you guys experienced this where you tell clients, you know you're giving the right advice, but then they're, they're doing their own shit because they're not seeing the results. Because they're that, not trusting yeah, you. Yeah, they don't trust you. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too that uh, I can see as being a pro for um, competition and this is for any competition, um, but for this one in particular, is it gives people a target. It gives them something to aim for. Mm -hmm. And if you've, you know, if you want to hit four percent body fat and look that way, doing so without a target is very difficult. And I've yeah. done this. I've done this. I've never competed, but I did get my body fat to somewhere around five percent. And I did it for, uh, you know, when we first did Maps Anabolic. And I'll tell you what, I had the target of taking pictures for my my program. If I didn't have that target, I wouldn't have done it. Once I got down to 7%, I could feel my body fighting it. Mm -hmm. No way would I have continued uh, with the process. I don't know how well, you did it during that time. Yeah. I, I really, I remember you and I were communicating. And for me, uh, I really struggle with pushing my body to that limit without having, like knowing that I'm going to get on stage and have to present, yeah. like mm -hmm. even just for a photo shoot, it takes a lot of discipline. It, it's very difficult. And so I could see the benefit for somebody who has, uh, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, but somebody who has a healthy relationship with food, they're confident, they're, they're self-aware and they're, they're competing and they're, you know, they're becoming more disciplined as a result and they're pushing their body to limits they've never pushed before. What can definitely happen at the other end of this is they're, it's easier for them to maintain just a regular lean body because they've pushed their body past that. And they've you know gained what I'm saying? a deeper understanding of, of yeah, what it takes uh, to, 
to push your body and get to that level where it looks extreme. And, you know, that's where I find value in competition. It's really like acknowledging that this is an extreme pursuit. And if, if you do it in a way that's healthy, mm-hmm. where uh, I'm recognizing that going into it, but then I have a plan, you know, to, to rebuild and, and to regenerate, uh, you know, reinforce my joints, yeah. like, you know, go through the process of, of eating better again and bringing myself back to homeostasis, but stretching myself, you know, and having a goal for that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and and, and, and especially nowadays, uh, when you compete and you get yourself in that particular shape, a lot of people are doing it to uh, get the perceived uh, authority, to get that increase in authority in order to build their business, for example. Like, if you compete and you do a decent job and you post your pictures on Instagram – naturally people will perceive you as uh, someone who has a higher amount of authority, somebody yeah. who knows what they're talking about. Well, I mean, look, people are drawn to it because it it's – if you look outside and you look even at the gym, like you just don't see people that it's hard. are that extreme mm-hmm. on that level. Well, most people that walk into a gym are, are coming into the gym because they want to change the way they look, right? Most people. And – and I remember having trainers that work for me, and you just, you weren't always the best trainer uh, necessarily, just because you were my most ripped trainer. But you definitely attracted uh, a lot of clients because of that, because mm-hmm. they see obviously he can do it himself. Yeah, um, I I want I want to talk to him because of that. So there is this perception that, uh, and that's what drove me. I mean, I saw that's why you did it. Yeah, it's exactly mm-hmm. why I did it. Was I was like, man, the, these the people that are getting all the attention that have all the fame on social media are these people with these incredible physiques, and so and it, it worked. Yeah, it worked for you. No, it was it's what gave gave me my original traction uh, before Mind Pump even started on my Instagram was showing people how and you know I also took myself from a, a very average looking physique you know I was out of shape mm-hmm. uh, I was close to 20% body fat um and I don't think I uh looked like somebody who I mean you could kind of tell I lifted weights I think when you look at the old picture but I definitely didn't look uh in in even beach shape No it was a, it was a dramatic change right. it was definitely a dramatic change but a lot of people compete for that perceived authority online and whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it's a good or a bad thing, and I'm sure we'll get into that as well. The truth is it does. It does give you a more perceived authority. And if you're a online coach or if you're trying to build some kind of a fitness or health business, if you look a particular way, you know, people are going to judge that and oftentimes think you know what you're talking about, or at least you know more of what you're talking about than somebody who doesn't necessarily look as good. It's also a great confidence booster. I mean, it's something that... When, oh, yeah, you accomplish something yeah, challenging? Yeah, I mean, and that's just in general, right? That statement you just made. I mean, in general, if you accomplish something you put your mind to, you you automatically build confidence. Man, when you do that with a physique and you get uh, this... Because you could you could go accomplish, uh, for mm-hmm. example, you, your, your kid just did some amazing stuff at school and work. Now, we know that because you talk about it and share about it, but he could walk down the street and I would never yeah. know he had right, this great right. accomplishment. When you build a physique like this, when you get this crazy in shape- oh, There's a lot of positive comments that oh, are get thrown your way. Yeah. Man, and, and I tell you what, there's that could also fall in the kind of con category sure, too sure. because oh, yeah. there's something that comes with that. It kind of inflates the ego mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I, I The attention that- 
I would get with my physique like that. You can't go anywhere in public without people staring and kind of mm -hmm. looking at you, which maybe some person, somebody might think they don't like that, but it feels good. I don't care yeah. who you are. It feels nice that people recognize that. And I think that's also could carry over into the business side if you're yeah. some a trainer who's trying well, to become an authority. Well, where I see a lot of the confidence comes uh, that comes from competing is not necessarily the comments you get from other people, but more so the challenge of cuz a lot of people are scared shitless of standing on a stage, right. wearing a bikini or wearing a speedo, getting judged on their body. So they're up there, all these people are looking at them. To, not, not just that, to get into the shape to be able to do it and then have the confidence to get up there or, or overcome your fears to get up there. Yeah. And then you're done. Sounds you, like a bad nightmare of mine. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, Stop looking at me. Two of the biggest fears that people have, one is speaking in public. The other one is appearing naked in public. You're almost naked. You're on a stage. Not only are you almost naked, but you're on a stage and people are supposed to look at you. Yeah. Not only are they supposed to look at you, they're supposed to judge like, you. Mm, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So you get up there, you do it. I could see how that, and I could see how it goes. It could go both ways. It could also be bad, but it could also, if it's done, if it's perceived the right way by the person doing it, like what an accomplishment. Oh my gosh, I'm normally such a shy person. I, I would never do something like that. I stood on a stage. People looked at my body. I did relatively well. I'm, and, and that could totally boost your confidence because it was such a big challenge and you overcame that. And that's confidence. Any, that's how you build confidence. Challenge, overcome a challenge, become more confident, move to the next more difficult thing. And for most people, getting on stage and presenting yourself after all this hard work or whatever, making yourself that vulnerable, I could see that being a massive potential confidence booster. Oh, it sure. was it if was it works out for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Like, ugh. I mean, yeah. it was for me. It was uh when I think back, uh I mean, I I did I actually dreaded getting on stage. Um and still to this day when I talk about competing, I did not like that part of it at all. I mean, I still, I did, it, it was the my least favorite part. I really enjoyed the competitiveness of dieting, the competitiveness of programming, the competitiveness of of knowing where to turn it on and off in the gym. Mm -hmm. Like I, I thrived in that world. Like I really liked that, and it, it was. I was never. I've never been so focused on my training and diet as I was at. So it was an incredible confidence booster for that. But also putting myself out there, like you're saying, Sal, and getting on stage knowing that I didn't like doing it. And then being like, I did that. Right. And then overcoming it and actually winning. Like that was. Well, think about it this way if you could get on stage in your underwear and have people look at your body <laughs> and give you a trophy, you know, <laughs> yes, getting, I deserve this. <laughs> getting on a stage in business clothes and talking to your associates probably seems a lot easier. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Good point, so, good point. so it can make a it can make a huge uh, it could be a huge positive in that sense. Right. I think we should talk about uh of course the negatives because the reality is this and maybe you guys can uh, you know agree or disagree with me but the vast majority of people should not compete. That's my opinion. I think competing uh should be is relegated to a very small subset of people and the most people who decide to compete and diet to compete or have no business doing so. And I'm not talking about the fact that they aren't going to win. I'm talking about the fact that they are not in a physical uh, health uh, or mental health yeah. position to go through that entire process. Because at the end of the day, the competition process, uh, especially when you're dieting for a show and getting close to a show, 
is anything but healthy. Yeah, you have to really evaluate your motives first and foremost, and you know what's drawing you towards that pursuit. Like if it's a, if it's a healthy idea, like where you're you've done a lot of work uh, physically. I've I've put in a lot of time in the gym, and um, this this looks like something that you know I could challenge myself in a healthy way like that's that's great that's a, that's a great mentality going in however if this is something where it's like oh man like i really need to get in shape and i think this is the way to do it right yeah, yeah. no well this is where i like this is another place that i like to compare it to sport because when i look at it and and the experience that i have with it i think of it like this i think man uh if working out and eating healthy is, uh, and we're comparing at this this whole thing as a sport, I look at that as like being a weekend warrior, or you know, being somebody who picks up the basketball and plays on the weekends, and or plays in a men's rec rec league, and you're pretty good, and you talk to your buddies. But like that's like basic going to the gym and exercising and and making good food choices, and then going to put yourself on stage and compete with the best bodies. In, in the country and in or in your state, uh, now you're at a very high competitive level. You're at least at, at least even at the amateur level comp- comparing in, in sport to collegiate level athletics, mm-hmm. collegiate level sport, and the the level of a, a Division one basketball player that he he or she has to put into being good at that sport isn't just like a weekend thing do every once in a while or practice with your buddies or play at a rec league. You've got to put an unbelievable amount of effort, discipline, and understanding in to do that. Yeah, and the thing with sports too is like there's – like you're going to lose a lot. Like especially in the beginning when you're you're playing, like your skills suck, like you get challenged quite a bit. Like there's a lot going into – competing on stage that I don't know if people are ready for, you know, getting bad news, well, or, you know, or like, like having insecurities going into something like that, uh, and being judged and like not being ready for that is that to me, that well, seems detrimental. Well, well, look at the, at the, here's the bottom line, um, competing on training and eating to look a particular way so that people can judge you on a stage is exactly the opposite of trying to prioritize your health over your aesthetics. We talk about this all the time on the show, that if you eat and train in a way to take care of yourself and you eat and train in a way to be healthy, what will follow will be a a decent amount of aesthetics. You'll look good because you'll be healthy. This competitions tends to promote uh, a a situation where you're deprioritizing your health. First off, getting that lean and doing what is necessary to get that lean and peak for a competition, the the two to four weeks before that, or sometimes the whole 12 weeks of prep for some people, is not that at all. It's mm-hmm. all unhealthy. All of it is – it's all about how you look. And so it's kind of this perfect storm of developing a terrible relationship with exercise and diet because it only is about your body. It's all right. about uh, being obsessed with – uh, with how you look, and if you don't have the right mental state going into it, mm. you're going to come out of it worse. You're going to come out of it very, well, there, much worse. There's a lot of prerequisites, I think, mm-hmm. uh, mentally uh, and physically. I, I don't think it's just about. Um, I mean, your, your your head has to be in the right place. Uh, you should be in a really good place uh, nutritionally, not just your relationship with nutrition, but your metabolism, uh, even aesthetically and, and physically, how you look. Uh, there, if you're going to get on stage and compete at the highest level, 
going and and when you're first getting back to get in shape and then deciding you're going to uh, schedule a show is not a smart idea. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're a guy and you've never been to 10% body fat just on your own, then trying to get to 4% body fat, like if you've ever only gotten down to 12 yeah. or 13 or 14%, you're like, I'm going to get down to 4%. Probably not a good idea. Yeah, and two, like you got to determine – uh, some people think that it's what, like, what's the average, uh, like, twelve week prep, like, 12 what, weeks. something like that. Like, where, where would you say, like, a, a good body fat range would be to even consider, you know, a twelve week prep? Because I've seen people go in with a really high percentage, and then you have to go super extreme and unhealthy just to even pretend well, to compete. This reminds me a little bit about uh, the con- this conversation that I had with. Um, Omar Ventura and Johnny Sebastian, buddies of mine that are uh, popular in the bodybuilding world. And I reached out to them when I first was uh, deciding that I was going to compete. It was after I had into Sal's point just that he just made right now. Um, after I went from 20% body fat all the way down to 7% body fat, uh, just for shits and giggles on my, on my own, not for trying to compete yet. This was just me getting in, in the best shape I could get in. And then I decided, okay, I, I want to compete. I'm going to start to, to build my physique with the intention to compete. And they wanted me to sign up for a show right away. They're like, you're 7% body fat. You can. And I said, no. I said, I need at least another year of mm-hmm. building a physique before I even think about getting myself a stage. And like, oh, no, you should do it. You need to get the practice. And their argument I understood because they were trying to get me to get the practice on stage But I'm so competitive that I didn't want to get on stage until I knew I had the potential to win. And I had I put myself in the best place metabolism wise, physique wise. I knew that I was ready for that. And so, first of all, I trained for a good I think it was almost eight, nine months to go from the 20 percent down to 7 percent. Then I trained a whole nother year consistently, not missing anything dialed of building my metabolism, building my physique up before I decided to, okay, now let's schedule a 12-week competition. Yeah, I I would say, what do you think, Adam? You probably want to aim for like a half percent loss of body fat a week. That's it. That's it. Because more than that, you're pushing it too hard. And we know know that you can lose about a half a percent to a percent a week, the average body, right? We know that. And that's with consistency. Exactly. So when I go into a show... And I decide I'm X amount of weeks out. So for me, I, most of my shows, I actually only prepped for six to eight weeks. But you walked into them pretty lean. Always. I walked into them at single-digit body fat yeah, already. So you're already 7 8% body right. fat. Before mm-hmm. I even started to cut, I was comfortable with my body fat percentage being around that 7 to 9% range. So I knew that I didn't have to lose you know, more than a percent a week at all. And I was already in a great place calorie wise. And I knew, okay, if every week I can make change on my physique. That's another big one too, is the, 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 the damage that dieting to that level, um, does to your metabolism. Now, when I say damage, I don't necessarily mean that you're harming your metabolism, although that happens too. What I'm referring to is the slowdown, the metabolic adaptation that happens in the body when you're consistently eating at a strong deficit while simultaneously training at a level to increase that deficit through calorie burn. The body tries to adapt to this. So if you're a man or a woman and you're cutting your calories trying to get lean and you're trying to burn a lot of calories, your body wants to make that difference up. That's that's known as an energy imbalance. And your body does not want an energy imbalance where it has to burn its own 
energy stores. It doesn't want that. It doesn't mind an energy imbalance in the opposite where you're storing calories. And it, of course, doesn't mind an energy balance where nothing's happening and you're just healthy. But when your body has to tap into its own stores, it aims to slow your metabolic rate down to make up the difference. Now, I've seen men and women come out of competitions with metabolisms that are just, I mean, so terrible or so difficult to live with in the modern world. Like I've seen guys come out of competition consuming 1,500 calories a day, and I've seen women consume under 1,000 calories a day. This combined with a shit ton of exercise. So wait, the point you're making, Adam, about going into a competition with a fast metabolism, that is a point that we need to stress. Oh, this is a, mm-hmm. this to me is the the number one mistake that is made in this in this sport or whatever you want to call it is exactly that. Um, I remember you know, the last competitor that I helped out was Melissa Wolf, and great relationship with food, trained consistently, good physique already, already in decent body fat percentage, and even when she decided to to train with me, I said, "Listen, we're not picking a show." until I've got your caloric intake somewhere that I feel really good about when we start to cut for the show that you're going to go you're going to get on stage and you're not going to be at 700 or 900 calories a day leading into it you're going to be at a healthy place that's not that bad for your body like looking to be somewhere between 13 or 1500 calories and in fact when we were in peak week, she was still eating seventeen and nineteen hundred calories for a little five foot three, hundred nineteen pound girl, which mm-hmm. is a ton of great calories, more calories than a lot of my clients that are a hundred pounds overweight would come to me wanting to yeah. lose. So this is so important because if to your point, Sal, the body is it's inevitable the body is going to adapt, the metabolism is going to slow when we go into an eight or a twelve week cut. It's just that's how the body works. To your point, right. So you have to know you're going in there with plenty in the reserve to be able to take away from it. Yeah. So if I'm heading into a, a prep that's going to be 8 to 12 weeks, I know that every week I'm probably going to be restricting a little bit of calories or creating a caloric, caloric deficit by increasing cardio or movement. So if I'm going to do that, I know that's going to slow the metabolism down. I need to make sure that I'm in a place where I've got room to do that every single week. And then by the time I hit go to hit peak week or stage, I'm still in a relatively healthy place calorie Right. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that you go into a prep with a fast metabolism? Well, here's why. It's not just because it sucks to end uh, your prep at such low calories. It's because you got to think about, and this is what a lot of competitors do, and and, and this is a mistake. Is the they after don't, They don't think about the after. Yeah. It's only about the yeah. competition. They don't think about the after. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you go into a competition doing an hour and a half of cardio a day, plus an additional hour of weights a day, plus you're only eating 1,000 calories, you're done with your competition, now guess what? Your body's yeah. running off of that, and you're you have fucked. to- fucked. You're screwed. You're fucked. And what you end up getting is this- insane rebound post-competition, both because your metabolism is so slow, but also because your relationship to food is ruined, where you're restricted so hard that you can't help but binge post-show, and you end up getting, you mentioned Melissa, who was under 120 pounds. I have seen female competitors compete at 115 pounds and gain, no joke, 20 pounds in a matter of weeks post-competition. I've seen the girls gain, gain almost 30 pounds. I've seen guys gain 50 pounds in a short period of time post-competition. Now, why is that a bad thing? Well, we now have studies that show that you will actually not just gain more body fat, of course, 
but you'll actually actually add fat cells to your body, making it far more difficult to lose the second or third time around. That's why when people compete one or two times, they find it more difficult to come back in that in that particular shape. Mm. Not to mention the fact that uh, you know if you find it difficult now to maintain your relatively lean body. Uh, because you don't eat that much. Imagine what that's going to feel like with a slower metabolism. Mm-hmm. You may come out of a competition never even or having a difficult time just getting back to how you were before. And this is what we end up seeing with this 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 uh, this t- type of approach. And this is talking a lot about the uh, the physiological things. There's also the the mental side. And you know what I've seen. What ends up happening is this obsession with your physique, which I totally understand because there's it's almost necessary. Sure. You know, because you you you're like you said earlier, Sal, you've got to get on you're getting on stage, you're presenting your your body, it's gotta be peaked at a certain time. So I, I have never in my life spent so much time in front of a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I mean all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Now it didn't bother me because my attitude was like, "This is a, a sport I'm getting after. This is part of the game. Like I'm and I'm I'm owning it. I'm into it. Whatever." But, but imagine somebody with some body image issues, right? Yep. And that's my point. I'm I'm heading towards is the person who isn't there yet with with their their body and they're constantly staring at it and judging it themselves. Boy, that ends up this this spiral effect that's really tough for some people to get out of. Yeah, if you're not okay with your body, if you have insecurities around your body, if you confuse your self-image with your body image, which is most people listening right now. Most of you listening right now have some insecurities around your body. There's parts of your body you don't like. The, oftentimes, you may confuse your body image with your self-image, or if you gain weight or don't look a particular way, you feel bad about yourself. All you're doing by competing and focusing on your body, because you have to focus and look at your body, you are putting that all on steroids. You are taking a fire and you're dumping a bunch of gasoline on it, and it's going to blow up. And that this is why the worst body image issues I have ever encountered in my entire life. And remember, I've been in fitness for two decades. I've trained lots of, lots and lots and lots of regular everyday people. I managed gyms. I saw tons of people working out and gym members and all that stuff. Nobody has worse body image issues than competitors. And I don't mean all competitors, but the worst ones I've seen were competitors. Well, this was the thing that that absolutely blew my mind. Uh, again, I'm getting into this business-wise. I'm not really looking at the, the, the competitive space like this at this point. And I remember being backstage, and I'll never forget uh, having these competitors. So I'm by myself, right? I don't have a coach. I don't have a team. Most people get involved in these now are they have a coach, they have a team. So there's there's like little groups, you know, these little like, like mm-hmm. high, it's like high school back there. You, know, you get back, there's like 30, 30 to 50 people yeah. in the back pump up room and they all got team their, supplement. Yeah, some yeah, shit, yeah, right. They all got their little clicks and stuff. Goths. Those guys yeah. out there. So and I'm over here all by myself in my corner in my hoodie and stuff all, you know, tanned up. I love that stuff. And I'm sitting there and I and I unzip. And I'm definitely one of the leaner uh, physiques out of everybody that's back there. This is my first show. And uh, instantly I get the attention of peers. Another one thing I did love about competing is there is there's there's this camaraderie that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody back there, no matter who you are, what team you belong to, we all know that you went through a lot of grueling training and dieting to get to that point. So I do appreciate and love the sport like that. I do think there is a lot of cool camaraderie that happens uh, with at, with competitors, and so right away they were all come came over to me like, oh, who's your coach and what are you doing and 
you know, asking me all these questions like, oh, you know, I, I'm a been a trainer for a long time. I do my diet and this is what I did. And, and then we all start, everyone likes to share their, you know, what they're doing. And I start hearing uh, the, the food that they were eating and I was hearing the amounts of cardio that they were doing and the, the stacks of steroids that they were taking. And this is amateurs right now. And I'm going, whoa, this is crazy. This is like all bad. Like everybody I'm listening that's coming up to me is giving me really bad information. And I'm I'm not saying anything. I'm just absorbing and listening and communicating and, and t- sharing what I was doing. But it was very eye-opening for me. And the the further I got up the ladder in the competitive world, uh, the more I saw of it. And I kept thinking that it was like going to go away as I got closer to becoming a pro. Like, oh, the pros are going to know really how to diet right and really how to program right. And it wasn't true at all. And in fact, what I had found is I found extremely narcissistic, disciplined, obsessed people. It, they were people that had the ability to turn the switch on. They have the ability to, if my coach says two hours of cardio a day and 900 fucking calories and all these crazy supplements and drugs, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And they have some of the most unbelievable discipline in that I've ever met in my life. But to a point of being of being very uh disordered yes it's disordered and and when you're competing your your entire universe revolves around you yeah uh the timing you're of, no fun to hang out with. The, the timing of your meals i got to get my workouts done at the right time i have to drink this much water i have to get this much sleep so your partners have to either fucking completely revolve around you this uh, how many times have you seen this adam bodybuilders who have uh, a, a wife or partner and that person just preps their meals for them right fucking they just stay at home all day long and just whatever you need or whatever because it wouldn't work any other way oh. it wouldn't work to have a partner who actually wants you to be their partner that, that's a rough place for them to be you see like that not working out very C- long. competing is a very i would say of all the sports i can think of it probably is one of the worst most difficult strains on relationships because it's a 24-hour oh, thing. It's, it's not. It's the reason why you see competitors dating other competitors. Uh-huh. It's it, that you just commiserate you, together. Yeah, you almost have to. Yeah, you you almost have to be with another competitor, or you have to have a partner who, uh, like mine, who I think was incredible in the situation. Now, mind you, I told Katrina from the very beginning, like, here's the goal. This is what we're doing, and then I'm done, and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I yeah, if, you, if you were like, I'm doing this forever. Oh yeah, she no, definitely. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah, this in was fact, cool initially. There, there was a moment for her, and it was I, I believe it was I don't know if it was when I went pro or right before I went pro. Uh, it because I did uh, seven shows. That's how many shows I did, I believe. And it was around four or five. She looked at me and she goes, "Am I going to be like the competitor's wife? Is this going to be our life?" And I looked at her and I was like, just appalled, like. Fuck no, because she. But now what she saw was the all the the pros that we're talking about. How much I loved it, and I was into it, and like loving the whole process. And I'm competitive, and I liked winning, and all that. So she's that. like, my patience is, uh, you know, I got some left. Totally, but- <laughs> no, I and because and, we did, we made a lot of sacrifices. There was a lot of times we didn't go somewhere and do something because of me, because. And I would just be flat out like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to some party where it's all centered around food and drinking when I'm four weeks out from a show. Like, no, what I want to do is get some rest or go go back to the gym and go put some work in the Mm -hmm. gym. Like, that was my whole life for a good two and a half years there. And, you know, for her to stand by me during that process, I know for a fact that if it wasn't 
her knowing that there was going to mm-hmm. be an end date, she would have never rode mm-hmm. through that whole process. How did you? How did you get around? Because I know you you went into it older already, having more experience, having trained lots of people. Um, how did you? And that must have helped you deal with the the disordered eating or the 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 propensity to to develop disordered eating from competing because necessarily it it involves severe restriction and then refeeding if you will which looks a lot like you know uh you know b- restricting and binging like how did you did you did you start cuz you're a pretty self-aware person did you see some like things like uh-oh i got to make sure i I, oh, I keep this in check oh 100% i'm i'm guilty of doing it i mean one thing that you'll know about me is i'll i'll always admit like this type of stuff like and i've been this way even with uh, experimenting with drugs in my life like i'm definitely the guy who's willing to do some risky shit that you probably shouldn't do um, but to your point about being self-aware, I'm pretty good too about like paying attention to it, you know, allowing myself a little bit of latitude to fuck around and fuck mm-hmm. off a little bit. And, but also being aware enough to go like, Oh wow, I could see where this could get a foothold and this could get out of control. My first two post shows, I'm the guy who put on 30 pounds. Oh wow. I mean, I just, whoo. so what did that feel like? You're going into it. You're restricting well, your diet. Let me now tell you, you the, 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 then here's, here's where I know it gets everybody. Is it feels fucking amazing at mm. first. To I felt more anabolic post show feeding the shit out of myself. So it's just encouraging you to fucking yeah. oh and eat garbage. Oh, yeah. because so I mean, think of it this: you're you're depleted down to two three percent body fat. Some of my shows I got down to. Uh, I've been low calorie, low calorie for six to eight weeks consistently. Food is like perfection. No, I'm not getting any cheats or bad food at all. And then post show, I show's done. I can have whatever I technically want. So go to town on every every fucking bad food you could think of, right? And fill it up now. And what happens is you were so depleted, you were so flat. Your your body needed so many calories that it fills you all in. Your muscle and because you can't, you could eat ten thousand, you could eat twenty thousand calories, which I've probably done before post show, twenty thousand calories. And if my metabolism is used to eating four to five thousand calories, I'm not going to put but a pound, mm-hmm. two pounds of body fat on two pounds. Sure. When you're three percent body fat, I just went up to four percent. I still look badass, mm-hmm. and but now I look filled out, and now I have all this energy because I've got so much carbs and sugar in me. Mm-hmm. So my workout the next day is amazing. So I saw how it fed into that mm-hmm. of this. Oh man, I'm gonna keep feeding and, and not realizing right. People who don't do, who aren't aware aren't realizing that they just went from extreme restriction to extreme binging. Yes. And forget about the fact that you may be filling out, your muscles feel strong or whatever. And actually what ends up happening is people look great for about two or three days. They keep going and they gain lots and lots of body fat. Yeah. yeah. But but the part that you need to pay attention to is the behavior that you're reinforcing. The behavior which is restrict, binge, restrict, binge. And this is how a majority of the, of the competitors or ex-competitors that I've ever known to be friends with or even worked with this is how they tend to eat. They tend to bulk or cut, and it's that extreme in both directions. And that's the exact opposite of the kind of behavior you want to encourage in yourself for long-term fitness and health. Because you're not going to compete forever. How are you going to do this when you – and this is what also happens to some people. They stop competing, 
and they they don't know what to do. Yeah. They don't have any targets around any driver. That's yeah. it. That's well, it. I, the, it's the only way they know to mm-hmm. have success with their fitness right. journey right. is by weighing, measuring. You know, that's the other thing too is like you become so neurotic about what what you're eating because you have to be so detailed. Stress. Yeah, and and the the level that 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 causes you to get to right as far as like the um the, uh, how disciplined you are and consistent with that. And then to turn it off and do the binging thing like that, you get this like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Fuck it. But then if you're somebody who really doesn't understand nutrition very well, then what easily happens is it's the only way you know how to get in shape, yeah. which I know you've coached online a lot. I know I have a lot. A lot of the 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 people that I get are ex-competitors that are trying to learn how to, how do I get in shape without being like that, yeah, that extreme twelve being neurotic, work, right? Whoa. About weighing, yeah, because I mean, there's something to be said for building yourself up to this like super, uh, you know, you identify with this extreme version of yourself now. Like, I mean, that, that even happens with other sports uh, to where you get to this pinnacle. And, you know, then going from there, you just don't feel like it's ever as mm-hmm. good. And so, like, you have to, like, redefine what fitness is all over again. And so, that, that I mean, that's that's something to consider going into it. Like, am I really going to uh, identify with this person that I'm trying to create and then always try and recreate it? Or is this, like, something I just see as a challenge and then I'm going to move on? Yeah. Here's the other thing uh, that we, I think we should talk, uh, you know, cover is the the, the – potential damage that competing has on your on your physiology like on your, your hormones your hormones yeah. are fucked now a lot of competitors mask this by taking uh, anabolic steroids and, and hormones and so they don't necessarily notice it until they go off the hormones but people who compete naturally let me tell you if you're a guy and you get yourself down to 4% body fat your testosterone's gone. Yeah. It's fucking gone and it's not coming back until it's suffering. You you reverse that you reverse out of that and, and and give yourself some time. Women, their estrogen progesterone balance all fucked up. And and they know this because they they well of course they lose their period. It doesn't take much to do that, but they go beyond that um, and then to recover from that hormonally can be very difficult. I know female uh, competitors who their skin gets real bad afterwards. Uh, their their period becomes irregular afterwards. They mm. go through all these like more extreme uh, forms of PMS where they feel more irritable or, or terrible. This is after they try to come out of it. Men, sex drive is gone. Uh, they 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 don't they lose the ability to get erection oftentimes during competition. Um, and this is all really wreaking havoc on your hormonal system. And again, a lot of competitors mask this by taking exogenous hormones, by taking you know testosterone or other hormones, but that only kicks the can down the road and, in, in, in my opinion, makes it worse later on because not only did you damage your own hormone system through this crazy dieting process, but then you've also delayed its recovery by throwing exogenous hormones on top of it. Right. And so you're kind of setting yourself up uh, for – you're setting yourself up for some some tough times coming up um it it also it also causes people that go through this getting this great shape they they whether it be through crazy discipline through drugs or whatever reasons and now everybody's reaching out to them to learn from them and yet they still have this really poor relationship with exercise really poor relationship with food 
and now they are looked at as somewhat of an authority. That's the bad side of the perceived authority. Oh, you do yeah. get more perceived authority, but that doesn't make you an authority. Right. No. In fact, it doesn't mean uh, you should be one. Not at all. And this is one of the biggest gripes I have with uh, with the fitness people on social media is you have a lot of people who look the part um, but have zero idea of how to work with other people, how to train people, how to work with nutrition. They actually know what they did for themselves, and that's about mm -hmm. it. Um, and they should not be advising people on these things. And, well, I've and seen it's tempting because there's a lot of people that will DM, they will ask, they will pay you money uh, you know, because they've just seen your transformation. They've seen what you did. And so they, they pretty much assume that you can help them achieve exactly what, you know, you achieved. And so it's, it's to a competitor, they look at that as like, well, yeah, I could tell you what I did, yeah. you know? And so it, it seems natural, but, uh, like not realizing they don't have the, the skill set to actually like apply it to an individual with totally different variables. And oftentimes somebody was able to compete because their body was so resilient uh, against all the terrible shit they did to their body, not realizing that maybe someone that they're working with isn't so resilient. So now they're coaching someone like, oh, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you do way more cardio, keep cutting your calories, way more cardio, keep cutting your calories. That's what worked for me. And you're dealing with an individual who whose body may not be as resilient and you can cause a lot of problems. Yep. I've seen some of the diets and programs that competitors with this false you know, authority have given and as a trainer, uh, I look at them and I think this is not just wrong. This is dangerous. What oh, you're doing is bad. It's, it's really, damaging. really bad. So, and for somebody who, if you have a, a a fragile ego, you've got a bad relationship to food. Now you've got this inflated ego because you did this thing or whatever. It, it it's going to encourage you to do this even more. So mm -hmm. now you're posting more about you know here's here's how you should eat. Here's how you should train. Um, and uh, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing for the fitness industry. Definitely not a good thing for the people who get your advice because your advice is terrible. So when I th I think about the people that should or should you know, should or should not compete, I think of the things that you you have you have to have. Yeah, right? let's create the avatar of the person who who should who could compete. Right, because it's not just all bad, and you don't have to like care just about getting in the bodybuilding world to want to do it. I mean, I did it and got out of it and was totally fine about it. Uh, so I think you can. You can have a healthy relationship with the whole process, even though it's a, uh, it's not a healthy thing for the body. You can still have a healthy re relationship with the process. Sports aren't healthy. Playing basketball uh, at the professional level is not healthy for the joints. It's not healthy for the metabolism. It's not healthy long term for you. All sports are this way. So, and that I used to say that as I was competing, I would tell people like, up until the last couple weeks. I, I really dieted and I mean trained just consistently and was diligent. Like it wasn't really that crazy until it got to the last couple of weeks where and then I would tell people like, okay, here's where the sport of it, quote unquote, comes out. Now it's getting unhealthy. So how do what do I what do I think of or what do you guys think of of what it takes or prerequisites for somebody who's considering doing that? I think you know, you mentally have to be there. Uh you have to have a a good a relationship with yourself, your body image. You have mm -hmm. to have a good body image, a good relationship with food and exercise, already having had worked out for a long period of time, already have had eaten well for a long period of time, and you're comfortable with it. You're comfortable with your workouts. You're comfortable with your... It's not like, oh my God, I'm so fat all the time, or oh my God, I don't look good all the time. It's like, I feel good. This is my lifestyle. You have a fast metabolism, so you're somebody that needs to eat a lot of calories, 
um, and you can still maintain a lean uh, body and physique. You've got balanced hormones. You don't have hormonal issues. You don't have a crazy stressful life. You have partners and friends that are quite understanding. Mm -hmm. In that particular scenario, I could see that competing could be uh, a fun and a good thing. Yeah, all those uh, factors would create like the you know the the perfect situation for that. But I mean, let's like really think if that's the case. Like most times, people jump in. Most this. time, it's not that way. If you have bad body image issues, if you uh, already scrutinize your body to to detrimental effects, if you have a, bo a poor relationship to food, where you're like, I struggle with binging, or I struggle with you know, restricting. And then, you know, I, 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 my diet is all, all over the place. It's very difficult. Sometimes I'm, I'm, you know, really strict and sometimes I'm not. If your workouts haven't been super consistent for like a year or two where you, you know, oh, sometimes I work out consistently. Sometimes I don't. If you've never gotten your body fat to a healthy lean um, and if your metabolism isn't fast, uh, not a good idea to compete. You're going to make things a lot more difficult for yourself and potentially cause some damage that could take months or even a year or longer to recover from. And I've actually done this. I've actually had to get people to recover from competition, and it takes as long as a year sometimes. Listen, if you're getting into competing, you are competing against the 1%. If you win at competing, you're 1% of the one percenters. So before you would do anything like that in any other sport, you would put a ton of practice into that sport before you went against that level of competition. So do yourself that favor and put that practice in. Go in the gym, train for a, a long period of time. You should have a good lifting background before you get competitive mm -hmm. with lifting. You should have a good nutritional background before you get competitive with nutrition. You have to be thinking that way. Do not. You do not. You should not be on stage if you haven't been working out for six months, year, two years, or more, and you decide that you want to get in shape and you and your girlfriend or you and your buddy think it's a good idea to schedule a show six months out and book it and then decide you're going to start training for it. You need to put the work in. You need to put the practice in before you decide to get competitive about it. Exactly. Uh, and with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>